1: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. I know what you're
0: thinking, Steph. Where can I get another good fucking podcast besides this fucking happy hour I'm about to listen to? The Bill Press Pod. The Bill fucking Press Pod. Okay, it's not called that, but he did drop a few uh, expletives on our regular little family-friendly friendly morning show. He did. And I feel like he's better to run free in the Bill Press Pod. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the way he was meant to be.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it just says Bill Press Pod, but you and I both know it means Bill fucking Press. Yeah. It's free range bill. Bill fucking Press has a podcast. It is still the same. Uh, it's the same cuddly bill that you love with all the top progressives, right? Mm-hmm. Congress people, senators, you name it. Uh, newsmakers in Washington, D.C. Thought leaders. Yeah. Thank you. With water cooler talk, everybody. <laughs> uh huh. So, uh-huh. uh-huh. whatever the political world's talking about. <laughs> okay, uh, you listen, it drops twice a week, right? You'll hear Bill interview leading progressives like Maxine Waters, Eric Swalwell, Jerry Brown, Pete Buttigieg, hold a weekly roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters. That's why I subscribe to the Bill Press Pod, and you should too. Go wherever you go to listen to your podcast. Search for the Bill Press Pod. No matter what occurs, you will find him. Mm-hmm. Click on subscribe and then tell your friends to do the, the same. <laughs> Join me, friends, as a subscriber to the Bill Press Pod. And now, here we go all right calm down calm down calm down <laughs> calm down calm down calm the up down okay happy happy hour this is so exciting steve schmidt yeah. political consultant extraordinaire joins us i uh, steve okay i'm gonna try to calm down and not freak you out but first of all do you know my dad ran with barry goldwater right in 1964 did you i do okay so i'm mm-hmm. I don't want to call them daddy issues, but <laughs> oh, no. I long for the days of principled Republicans like you. And when you get going on your rants on MSNBC, I, you are just such a patriot. It, it just, I can't tell you how much it resonates with me.
1: Oh, thank you very much. That's nice. Mm-hmm.
0: I And listen, we have a love-hate thing because there's a whole period where I hated you because you are <laughs> so good at what you do. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this not only you said this when you renounced the Republican party and became independent is this is not only not, you can go back, not Reagan's party. This is not my dad's party, Goldwater's party. I mean, you can go back. This is Trump's party. As you said, when you renounced the party, you said this is fully Donald Trump's party. Now.
1: It's a Trump party, but more than that, it's, it's anti-American in the sense that it's a cult of personality. And we've not seen very many political cults of personality in this country. Over the entirety of our history, I think culturally, ideologically, I imagine this is what it would have been if George Wallace became president. Mm. That's that's really what Trump embraces is Wallaceism. It's a uh, southern evangelically infused and by southern evangelically infused. I I don't mean good people of faith. I mean, the Pharisees in the temple, the Jerry Falwell juniors, the Franklin Graham's, the. Not in the White House, who's the spiritual advisor, Pastor Hagee and the rest of these people. And it said that fusion culturally mixed in with white grievance, dash of populism in a time where globalization and automation and artificial intelligence were putting downward pressure on so many working class communities, so many working class jobs even before COVID and, you know, he's a grievance candidate. I mean, you know, Reagan, whether you've agreed or disagreed with Ronald Reagan, Reagan was fueled by optimism, right? Mm -hmm. And that optimism won him an election with 49 States. Trumpism is fueled by grievance. And in that grievance culture, there's no, no one allowed to be a bigger victim than Donald Trump. He is playing the role of victim in chief every day every hour blaming somebody for his abominable failures of leadership and his total incompetency and ineptitude and so that's the that's the hour we live in now which is you know very different Um, very different than what we've ever had before
0: that is one of the love phases of your yours and my love hate relationship is when i was a 21 year old a USC college kid I voted for Donald Re- or Ronald Reagan. So <laughs> I when I was a daddy's girl and I assumed I was a Republican too. So right, but it, it just it seems like a million years ago in terms of uh, just I as you always put it on Twitter and on TV, just I it, you said <laughs> We have just never seen anything like this. You said, I bet no future president will ever hang Trump's portrait in the White House. It will be impossible to shower even false praise on the most vile of men. His presidency will be like Chernobyl, something to be sealed off, a poison to be contained. And I, that's what I would think. And I can't speak from my dad. Steve, he's been gone, you know, since 83. But he was a Nuremberg prosecutor. I, I can't imagine he was chairman of the Republican Party. I can't imagine him hearing Trump say there's very fine people referring to nazis in charlottesville i mean we just we lost this as like in terms of just what kind of man he is i i can tell you what kind of man my dad was and it's it's like you and john weaver and rick wilson and all the guys that have renounced the republican party and trump because basically because of the kind of man he let forget president right he's just a despicable human being
1: well, for sure. He, he embodies all of the anti-virtues. He's selfish. He's vain. He's narcissistic. He's in it for himself. We've never seen a president who's more corrupt. We've never seen a president meet a moment of crisis as incompetently as this one has. But all of his defects, and they fall basically, if you were to generalize, into three categories. He's, he's proven himself to be intellectually deficient. He's mentally deficient. I mean, somebody who gets up there and says that the way you deal with coronavirus is to inject yourself with disinfectants. And he's morally deficient. He's, he's unable to process that we have a hundred thousand dead Americans and we'll have many more. The collective grief that we feel as a country, it, it doesn't touch his heart at all. He has an incapacity for leadership at at every level. And so we see the spiraling dishonesty, the fantasy that everything will be recovered by the fourth quarter. And we realize that Joe Scarborough has pointed this out, I think, in a brilliant Washington Post column, and he talked about it on Morning Joe this morning, which is, how did the country that has half of the world's Nobel Prizes for science and math in the last 50 years, well, last 70 years, since 1950. How could this happen here? The Most most advanced country in the world, the place of invention and science, that we're the epicenter with 4% of the world's population of a global pandemic, that you have more chance of getting it in the U.S., you have more chance of dying from it in the U.S. Not every economy around the world is shattered because of this. It's shattered because of Trump's Incredible ineptitude and in, in responding to it. So all of the virtues that you're that you're talking about of that generation, that generation that grew up in the Depression, that that fought in the war. As we approach Memorial Day, as we approach another anniversary of the D-Day invasions, he is he is antithetical to every sensibility of what leadership looked like, of what competency looked like, of what American character look like. And so we stand on the edge of this new rancid era you know, with Donald Trump putting his case forward for re-election. I think, in one of the most consequential elections in the country's history. Yeah, Not since 1864, we had a bigger choice for the direction of the country. We decided in that election whether we'd be a country at all or not.
0: Yeah. Well, now you brought up a sore spot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Steve, I have to say, I got to ask, though, Because my liberal friends have already hated me that I vote for for Reagan, you know I don't know how many years ago that was. (laughs) But I mean, why are you guys so much better at this? (laughs) I feel like on our side, these Lincoln Project ads, you guys know how to go for the jugular. You know that's what I, I feel like. Democrats need to learn to fight. The way you guys do, because I obviously hated. <laughs> we were on the opposite side of campaigns, but these Lincoln Project ads are obviously making him go insane. The morning in America spelled
1: absolutely as in yeah.
0: morning, not Reagan's morning. But you know that said we are sicker and poorer. How we can even be having a discussion, Steve, as both sides do it, and is he doing a good job when we have a hundred million Americans dead and forty million out of work, or will be to that shortly? How are we having a discussion as to whether, you know, you're better off today? Right. The, the campaign question you ask every cycle.
1: Well, look, I, you know, all elections, you know, fundamentally come down to do you want to change direction or do you want more of the same? And it, it's very difficult to imagine what the case for more of the same is as a matter of reality. And so you see a number of national polls right now that show Joe Biden up eleven points. You see Trump's numbers collapsing, with key demographics co- collapsing in the swing states. But mostly, the country looks at this and says that this is not what a winner looks like. This is this guy's a loser. And 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 I don't mean this. I don't mean this. Um, I don't mean this to name call. I he's an imbecile. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's when, 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 and that's and I and I use that word because that's the that's the word that describes most surgically his behavior throughout this entire crisis in the English language. You know, if he was the French president, I'm sure we'd have to find the appropriate French word to do it. But that's the word in the <laughs> English language. Mm-hmm. When, yeah. when you look over and over again about the things that come out of his mouth, and and people look at this and. People will tolerate crazy in this country and they'll be entertained by it. Yeah. So long as you're winning. And there's no argument to be made that the country's winning. And so they see someone up there every day fumbling around, slurring his words, talking nonsense, contradicting himself, misinforming the public. He puts on a clinic of incompetence. He gets up there. The entire country's locked up at home and he talks about how great his ratings are. Yeah talks about how everyone is to blame but him, that he's not responsible for anything. And this is the guy when there were 15 cases in this country, said it would all soon be gone, praise the Chinese handling of it. And I just think that sometimes people say in these moments, they'll say, this isn't a time for politics. This is, this is the essential time for, for politics in a country of the people, by the people, for the people. Because we have, we have to make a, we have to make a decision. We have to understand that the people we put into these high offices, people that sit behind the resolute desk, that life and death decisions get made in that space, in that, in that office. And because Donald Trump sits behind that desk, the man who said, I alone can fix it. I'm going to make America great again. Because he sits behind that desk. We have suffering and death. Tens of thousands more than would have otherwise been. We have economic collapse. And we have a divided country that can't even look at each other and agree on what reality is. Yep. That's the deadly cost of this guy in the Oval Office.
0: He, he's having us have a war not just against this virus, Steve, but against facts, science, truth. Do you ever have that panic when someone calls you on FaceTime? Yep. And you're like, no nah! Right. But you have enough rings on FaceTime to get your Plexiderm on to tighten things before up. you answer. That's right. OK. Uh, plexiderm. We love it. All the sexy liberals use it. It's just a little dabble, do you? And it makes me feel better. Do not underestimate that in quarantine, right? In lockdown, whatever you are. Yes. You need to feel better every you once get, in a while. Right. It's the horrifying things you need to see yourself on those Zoom calls. And you're like, yeah, Plexiderm, I love it. It is an uh, amazing uh, clinically studied serum. It goes on clear. Nobody even knows you're using it, but yeah. it works like magic, right? Did it, get it. Do it for yourself. Clinically studied serum. It works amazingly, and you, look, you just look like you, but 10 years younger. Mm-hmm. Um, go to Plexiderm.com. You've got to get ready for the virtual tour. Yeah. We'll be able to see you, too. Yes. Yeah. Go to triplexiderm.com, Use my code VOICES for half off a full-size bottle of Plexiderm, plus an additional $10 off. Half off, plus an extra $10 off. What? Or call them, 800-685-1292. Mention the code VOICES. Plexiderm backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit tryplexiderm.com. Type in VOICES. That is the code VOICES. Tryplexiderm.com. And you brought up that he's a loser. Um, I know you're a tough guy. I can tell you must have cried when he called the Lincoln Project the Losers Project. I imagine you you wept silently.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're delighted to be we're delighted to be engaged in a in a conversation about the realities. The worst president this this country's ever had. I don't say that I don't say that lightly. I mean, in fact, the the greatest country, the greatest president the country's ever had, Abraham Lincoln, followed until now the man who was indisputably the worst, Buchanan. And so it took a long time to displace James Buchanan as the worst president and. The union's history, but Donald Trump has done it. He's been an abomination as as president of the United States, and 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 we stand now as a country. Whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, whether you've you voted for both, we we stand at an hour of American weakness. I'm 49 years old, um, but boy, I, I can't in any of our lifetimes. And anyone who's of adult age, who's listening to this to this broadcast from from 18 on, it it is unimaginable the 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 profound national humiliation that this moment has peeled back the weakness of this country of our of our system. It, it's extraordinary that this is the United States in in 2020, and it's tragic. Yep. And and our allies are terrified by it, our adversaries are cheered by it. And everybody around the world basically collectively, holy shit, what what's happened here? Yeah. yeah. And that's why you have these groups of world leaders all gathered together in a circle laughing at Donald Trump. Yeah. yeah. They're not laughing with him, they're laughing at him. They look at him as a buffoon and a clown.
0: As you and, well, you and George Conway and John Weaver and Rick Wilson wrote, as Americans, we must stem the damage he and his followers are doing to the rule of law, the Constitution, and the American character. Um, I'm, I won't make you speculate on what's going on with George Conway's marriage, but let's <laughs> talk about the fact that they're just, I, I cannot imagine people still, whether it's Kelly and Conway or anyone else, still I, I, defending this. What is happening that this American and, you know, Steve, it's not just carnage. It, it is, I think, criminally negligent genocide, as you said, this is could have been prevented. Right. We've all seen these studies that if we'd done something one week earlier, even two weeks earlier, I, I, this is a completely preventable health crisis. Right. This is not something we just randomly got attacked with no warning. Right.
1: Yeah. Look, I, genocide is the wrong word. You know, I you, but what he is, is he sees his negligence is deadly, it's deadly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is somebody who refuses to read, won't read There's stories. in, I think it's The Washington Post this week about how the intelligence agencies go to extraordinarily extraordinary lengths. Um, you know, I, I think trying to brief him on information it reminds me of the opening scene from jurassic park when they're trying to move (laughs) the velociraptor right these extraordinary strategies right yeah to get the president of the united states to pay attention to essential information so he won't read doesn't do his homework doesn't do his job so at the moment in time when he was being warned about this when he was being advised about it his his he is it is not possible to, to penetrate the frontal lobe of Donald Trump because he knows everything. Yeah. And so you have a person who can't consume information who's in the most intense decision-making job in the world, the presidency of the United States. And that's what this election's about, right? It's a total incapacity to problem solve, to be able to crisis manage, to be able to deal with complexity and nuance He doesn't have the intellect he doesn't have the mental stamina he doesn't have the moral dimensions required to lead a country like the united states and that in that piece
0: steve too it's not just that he doesn't listen he brings in his own conspiracy theories from friends and tells them back to the intelligence people. And so, but as you say, that's American national security. That's why there's almost 100 million of us, uh, or however many dead. 100,000. 100,000, excuse me, 100,000, and 40 million people out of work. Because he goes off conspiracy theories or, you know, whatever he thinks makes him look good. Um, We have to play the new Lincoln Project ad because (laughs) you just, you, and you, of course, it on Fox News where you know he's going to see it. Mm -hmm. And you know exactly how to go to the jugular. And everyone needs on our side needs to learn a lesson from how Steve Schmidt plays. (laughs) Okay, let's take a listen.
1: Meet Brad Parscale. From dead broke to the man Trump can't win without. Brad was getting rich. How rich? Really rich. But don't tell Donald. He'd wonder how Brad can afford so much. A $2.4 million waterfront house in Fort Lauderdale. Two Florida condos worth almost a million each. He even has his very own yacht. A gorgeous Ferrari. A sleek Range Rover.
0: Brad brags about using private jets. Oh my, Brad's a star. And why not? Brad's worth every dollar. Just ask him. That's, wow. Oh my God. Um, Straight is, to the heart. Is Brad Parscale going to make it through the weekend after this, after this? Well,
1: <laughs> we'll see. I mean, you know, it's a, it's extraordinary, right? In the in the the phalanx of scammers and miscreants that that abound the Trump imperial seat in, in Washington, right? This guy's taking money for the PPE loans. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, the PPP loans. Um, I, I mean. I joked around last night on TV, quoting my good friend, Stuart Stevens. He described it like this is like the last days of Elvis where mm-hmm. Colonel Parker and everyone is stuffing them full of peanut butter and banana fried sandwiches and <laughs> running off with the money. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, what, that's what it's like. Uh, you know, they uh, know, he's going down.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I owe oh, to your, your mouth to God's ears. Steve, let's talk about I because, I, first of all, I, I, again, you were, you have such a storied career. I loved, I loved you as Woody, uh, Woody Harrelson as you in uh, Game Change, by yes. the way. But because you're also a Republican that admit when you're wrong, you're like maybe Sarah Palin, not the best idea. <laughs> <laughs> but right, I mean, this is also this guy can never admit he's wrong, can never take responsibility for anything, which is so dangerous in the Oval Office, right?
1: for sure look taking responsibility accountability the ability to learn from mistakes to process information this is elementary stuff and he has an incapacity for it always always has but you know you can't have the person with the most responsibility in the world have an absolute allergy to the concept of it
0: yeah you and you know, obviously, I, this must have gotten so personal for you a long time ago, but uh, as John McCain's senior advisor, I mean, again, I didn't agree with John McCain on a lot of stuff, but uh, fully decent man, patriot, and the the way Trump went after him, even after he was mm-hmm. dead, was just, I, you must have so many news cycles ago gone, how, how can the American people accept someone attacking a, a genuine war hero like that?
1: Well, look, you know, I you know, Winston Churchill made the observation um, that in a democracy, the people get the government they deserve. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, civics and citizenship are action sports. You know, yeah. they they require participation. And, you know, I think, you know, when you look at Donald Trump's performance over these last couple of years, you look at the desecration of the dignity of the office of the President of the United States, his comportment, his lack of probity, rectitude, all, all, all of it yeah. these are these are appalling characteristics and and no healthy society um, can can make it um, with, with, without any virtues that are celebrated, right the, the things in John's life and he was a complicated guy. Um, you know, to say the to say the least. And and the last thing I think that John McCain would ever want is to be sainted. Right? Um, he was he was magnificent in so many ways because of how flawed he was, right? Mm -hmm. But his but even his flaws in my mind were were great. But the things he stood for, right? You know, why why was it that John McCain touched right, uh, Americans, right what What was it as we celebrated you know the McCain life at the at the end, right? What, what is it that we're celebrating, right? We're celebrating guts and toughness, courage, patriotism, love of country sacrifice. and the 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 things that McCain stood for, forgiveness, leading alongside John Kerry under President Bill Clinton. Right. The veteran who protested the war, the protester who didn't go to war, the son of the admiral who refused to come home early. Those three men restored relations with Vietnam. So so yeah. forgiveness and and redemption, also part of the McCain legacy. But but the things that McCain stood for are all virtuous things. And there is necessary in the lifeblood of a nation, as is oxygen and water for plant life. It's elemental. And 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 we can't as a country look at Donald Trump and be proud of how he represents us because he disgraces his office. And in doing so, he disgraces our national honor and the American. Yeah. And he does it all the time.
0: Um, let's focus more on the hate part of our love-hate relationship, Steve Schmidt. Um not only uh worked on McCain's campaign, of course, but uh George W. Bush, Arnold Schwarzenegger out here in uh California. Mm-hmm. Um here's the part. You were um deputy assistant to uh and counselor to Dick Cheney. <laughs> mm-hmm. You were part of the senior strategic planning group led by Carl Rove that ran uh, Bush, mm-hmm. George W. Bush's re election campaign. You oversaw that reelection war room. Um you were the White House strategist responsible for the U.S. Supreme Court nomination of Samuel Alito mm-hmm. <gasps> and <laughs> and John Roberts. Um, but again, I it seems like because you guys even said on the Lincoln Project, you're like, you don't even care. There's got to be part of you that's like, oh, in terms of a blue wave. But you're like, we got to we don't care. We're, we don't we flip the Senate, get more seats in the House. We've got to take this country back. We've got to take sanity back. Right? I mean, I look forward to the day that I can hate you again and we can argue about uh-huh. actual poli- about policy, poli- political yes. policy things. Right. Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd rather I'd rather live in an in America dominated by progressive policy than in Trumpistan. Um, where the rule of law is out the window and we've become a third rate banana republic, which is the trajectory he's got the, he's got the country on. And so his illiberalism, uh, bothers me profoundly. And, and let me, let me make this point. Um, we, we have two political parties in the, in the country, um, major parties. And those two parties uh, are respectively the first and the third oldest political parties in the world. And they are two of the most important institutions for the advancement of human freedom and dignity in the history of the world. They're, they're, they're not just important American institutions. They're important institutions. They, they have both produced the right people in the right moments to lead the nation in hours of peril, the greatest president. The 19th century i would argue the greatest in our history lincoln the first republican president and the union that he saved went on to save the world with the leadership of the greatest democratic president of the 20th century the greatest president of the 20th century FD, fdr and so I, i've never looked at the parties from a prism even when you're running campaigns is the democratic party is all wrong the Republican Party is entirely virtuous. That my view of it coming up in the 80s is the Republican Party for me was, was, was more of a fit, more of a home, and I thought was slightly more right than the Democrats were. But let me tell you something, that Ronald Reagan, who has inscribed on his tombstone these words, which are, you know, in my heart, I know that man is good, that in the end, what is right will triumph over what is wrong. And there's purpose and worth in every human life. That doesn't sound like Trumpism to me. I mean, I have no doubt how these men would vote in an election between Joe Biden and Donald Trump if you understand anything about these people. And so we're in this rancid, terrible era. Our our democracy is being eroded. We're seeing corruption institutionalized at, at, at deep and epic levels. And so in a month, where the government goes out and spends $3 trillion, I don't even know what it means to be a limited government conservative anymore in a country now with 40 million unemployed people. And what, what this this entire episode has done is peeled back how dysfunctional and backwards our country is compared to so many countries in the, in the world. The, the response to this crisis, the incompetence of this administration should shock the conscience of every Republican of every Democrat, and anybody who wants to see the United States remain a strong and vibrant, powerful country cannot abide, I think, another four years of the Trump presidency because there has never been a period of time where this country has been weakened more quickly than it has during his tenure.
0: I feel like I'm watching you on MSNBC. This is the part where I... I you don't want to know all the details, but I... Just, Make noises and I stand up and cheer and I throw stuff. Um, <laughs> Well, Literati, the number one subscription book club for kids, now in quarantine, more important than ever. Stella tweeted, Steph, you have the best sponsors. I just ordered Literati for Jack, who's my surrogate grandson. I lost my sister last year to cancer, my best friend, my North Star. Her one request as she was dying was to take care of Jack and her kids as if they were my own. I do. Um, You sent it to your nephews. I sent it to my ex, Lisa, and her newborn. And." everybody's raving about them. Yeah. Oh, my God. He was so excited. He like went and got his books and showed them to us on FaceTime. It was amazing. I got uh, the pictures of them. Uh, you have got to get Literati. Library schools, bookstores are closed. Literati has you covered with something truly unique. Every Literati box contains five books based on a theme with exclusive original art and a personalized note just to your child. Do it now for a limited time. Go to literati.com slash stephanie for 25% off your first two subscriptions. This is our best offer available anywhere. Go to literati.com slash stephanie, 25% off your first two subscriptions. Literati.com slash stephanie, terms and conditions apply. But before we get back to hating each other again and disagreeing, I don't think you answered the question and I seriously want to know why are you guys so much better at this? Why do you think in some ways Democrats don't don't don't. fight? I don't want you to give me all your secrets because then I'm going to use them against you back when we hate each other. again, (laughs) But what you know what I'm saying? Like when I I love Michelle Obama, but when they go low, I go down to my basement because we're not in a normal era. And I feel like you guys are so these ads are just like, oh, bam. And I I feel like uh, not all, but some Democrats just don't seem to know how to fight the way you do.
1: Well, I don't I don't know. I've I've spent a fair amount of my career up against the Democrats and 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 have lost um elections to mm-hmm. them. I, you know, look, we are, you know, this this group is committed to, you know, putting forward an argument that's accurate, uh, that's correct, that's defensible about what's going on in the country and that's that's what we're trying to That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to communicate to people um, with some of the iconography of the Republican Party that what's in front of them is not okay, right? That that adherence to the tribe is great so long as it doesn't damage the country. When it damages the country, you're in, going back to the Goldwater campaign and the famous Reagan speech, you're at an hour of choosing. You're in a time of choosing. You know, and Americans including people who've never voted for a Democratic candidate, um, are going to have to make a choice. And that choice in November is between a really bad man, Donald Trump, and a really good man, Joe Biden. And he is a good man. Yeah. Between an honorable man and a dishonorable man. Between a competent man and an incompetent man. Between a divisive leader and between a unifying leader. Between a man who has no empathy in his heart, has no courage in his soul, between a man who has empathy in spades and has deep courage that we've all seen play out through the story of his life and his service and his grief in all of our living rooms as we're with our families. And we understand that we can have an admirable man as president, or we can have somebody that the entire world laughs at. And that's the choice ahead. And it doesn't matter, right, whether you've been a registered Republican or a Democrat or an independent, the right thing is not to have somebody who's a serial liar and a predator and corrupt as hell, serving in the office, degrading our civil liberties, our vital institutions, and pitting Americans against each other in a cold civil war.
0: See, this is why I'm a gay woman, and I I think I might be in love with you. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be inappropriate. It's the (laughs) patriotism my father had. There was a generation, Steve Schmidt, where they said, we got to hit the beaches in Normandy. And they were like, okay. And now you're like, I have to wear a mask? Fuck you. I need, to, I need a haircut. I mean, it's just this. I, I, I just can't believe the debates we're even having. Um, by the way, you have a gay sister. And you this is when I first love you. You spoke out for gay rights a way, way long time ago. You said on a personal level, my sister and her partner are an important part of my life and our children's life. Um, you were way out there ahead for marriage equality. Um. And, yeah. yeah, I mean, I and Barry Goldwater, let's go full circle to my dad's running mate, right? The famous, you don't, uh, gays in the military, you don't need to uh, uh, be straight, you just need to shoot straight. He has a gay grandson. I mean, it, it's, you're right, there's something about just getting back to who we are as Americans, I think, that that I think people are craving.
1: No, for sure, and in marriage, I always, I always thought gay people had the right to be as unhappy as everybody else. Uh, so. Thank you, Steve. Thank yes. you. No, that's, very, like, that's, no very, that's
0: very sweet. <laughs> no, <laughs> but I go uh, from uh, I go from gay to questioning when I talk to you. That's, let's not dwell on that, Steve. No, my, my point is. <laughs> But You make me feel happy. You tweeted Trump is unworthy to preside over a, a ceremony to, set, to hang President Obama's portrait in the White House. When President Biden presides over that ceremony, I hope all of the former presidents sons Trump will be there. It will be a restorative act. It will be a reassertion of dignity and decency. Um, I don't want to get happy clappy, but it feels like you really believe Biden's going to win, that we are, despite God knows what, voter suppression, Russia, etc., that uh, uh, the polling that we're seeing now will hopefully... Bear out.
1: I have I have faith in the in the country and I, I mean that um, I don't think in the end that the country wants this for another another four years. And um, it is it is it, Trump wears you out. Yeah. And I think one of the things to understand is that in in any type of contest. Right. There's there's only. Right. Two ways to to win. Right. You can you can win. uh you can you can win by uh, uh, by forcing a capitulation, domination on your opponent. Think Germany and Japan after after World War II, right? You bring your opponent to submission. Um, the other way to win is to bring your opponent to exhaustion. Think about Vietnam and the United States during the during the Vietnam War. Um, Trump exhausts people, right? It's not normal in a democracy for the President to be omnipresent, right? For the newscast to be entirely focused on one person, as if no other event plays out in the world. And so, you know, people—you can tell this, right? When this stuff comes on CNN, for example, in the airport, right? People just moving away from the TV. They want to—they want to turn it off, right? Yeah. Everybody's dealing with crazy relatives on Facebook and on social media and it comes into the family and i i think that there's just a heavy burden for this period of time i think there's tremendous anxiety in the country tremendous uncertainty in the country but, but i think a majority of the country including in states like pennsylvania and michigan that narrowly gave it to them are going to say no doing this for four more yeah. for four more years. Yeah. And well said. Um and I, I do I, I do have confidence that he'll be defeated, but nobody nobody should take it for granted. And nobody, no matter how bad a job he does, should discount the power of his propaganda networks. Yeah. Uh the sophistication of his campaign operation, uh, and his capacity for demagoguery and dishonesty and literally to do anything yeah. to try to remain in power.
0: Real quick before we go, not to you know, dwell on vice presidential picks in the past. Who do you think he's going to pick? <laughs> who should he pick?
1: He needs to pick someone who's ready to be president of the United mm-hmm. States on day one, and that can uh, augment a, a a a narrative of restoration and competency. And obviously, it's a it's an important pick because. You know, that that person has a likelihood of being a future nominee of the of the party and and certainly um, will represent uh, a a moment of of generational change in the party. I I was I was wrong um, about this four years ago, which was I said this would be the last election where two baby boomers ran against each other. Um, And that's that's not the case. But but this will be. Uh, the last election in, in American history where we have the two baby boomers running against each other. So it, it will be a pick that I think is likely to be, I think there's a tremendous chance that it'll be a woman. I think it's tremendous chance that it could be a minority woman. Uh, but it, it has to be someone who the country will look at and say, this person is ready to fulfill the, uh, the duties of the, of the oath of office and, who do you like? You know, instead,
0: Who do you like for the pick? Um, if it were you, if you were advising,
1: I don't know. I feel like I'm cursing them. If I, <laughs> you know, if I'm, if I'm doing Steve it. I, curse. <laughs> I, um, look, there's, there's cases to be made for Elizabeth Warren. There's mm-hmm. a case to be made for Kamala Harris. There's a case to be made for Senator Klobuchar. Um, there's a case to be made uh, for the Michigan governor. There's, you know, there, there's a number of, you know, of, 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 Of choices out there that are that are attractive choices but you know look you know they got to be able to get through the vetting they have to be able to perform on a national stage they got to be able to take the fight but i'll say this um you kamala harris i think has demonstrated and you know she'll do well in the in the debates as with as with klobuchar um Mm. you know the two prosecutors and i and i do think as you said you gave us some compliments i do think one thing the lincoln project is doing is prosecuting a case against trump mm. yep. and i do think the democratic nominee just to be somebody who can prosecute a case yeah. against trump and mm. i and i think that two of the most effective prosecutors three of the most effective yeah. prosecutors in the party are warren klobuchar and, and harris yeah.
0: yep absolutely steve when i hear you talk i just i hear this i hear mm. betel him in the um, background whenever I hear you speak on the on yes. MSNBC here. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Thank you for using your okay. voice and your patriotism for the Lincoln Project. This was as inappropriate this is, as this was. It was not nearly as inappropriate as I wanted it to be <laughs> uh, because I love you. I think you're doing fantastic work and uh, thanks for taking time for us. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. All right. Steve, bye. All right. All right.